was called in on an inheritance. This big, beautiful house up in Guilford, which is a wealthy neighborhood north of the Hopkins campus. I'll sit still. Um, and the patriarch of the family had just died. Does patriarch mean? The, the father, but who also like runs, kind of is in charge of the whole family. So he might also be, you know, there might be some cousins and uncles and stuff that all kind of answer to him too. And what about the mother? Okay, sh- no, that's not a question, sorry. And, well, the thing is, they knew that he had a will. Now, this guy was very, very wealthy. And he was generous with his children, but they knew that there was a lot more money than just that. The, um, Really disruptive. The attorney, the father's attorney, said that there is a will, but that he doesn't have it, and he doesn't know what's in it. Because even though the attorney is hired and handled all of his father's other affairs, he'd wanted to keep the will a secret. So they had brought in another attorney who had signed a non-disclosure agreement. And so the attorney knew that there was a will, but didn't know where it was or what it contained. He said, I don't really understand what the point of that is, but all I know is this. And this is all things that they were relaying to Ollie. All I know is that he said, when my children learn to appreciate my treasure, then they can have my money. So the children were perplexed. We don't know what he means by that. Elsa, sit still. I mean, are we his treasure? Are we supposed to appreciate each other? Or, I don't know. So I said, well, tell me about your dad. I said, well, let's see, what to know about dad? Well, he's a big reader. So you can quit that or you can leave. He's a big reader. And, I mean, he did spend a lot of time with us kids and with the grandkids. Now, Elsa, last warning. Do it again and you have to leave. Um, And then, he was involved in the community. He... You know, he was a, a sponsor for the symphony, and he was a sponsor for a couple different small local theaters. Um, but, yeah, I'd say his biggest thing was reading. I mean, he would do these things, definitely, but when he didn't have to be doing something else, he would be reading. He'd be in his library. And when we were kids, 
he would read to us just endlessly. When we were kids, he would read to us just endlessly, just as long as we wanted to. He would sit there and read to us. And then when we got older and started to read ourselves, he would, he would pick out books for us. Have a whole bunch of recommendations, really personalized too. It wasn't just like everyone reads the Hardy Boys or anything like that. No, each kid and each grandkid he would think about, work with them to figure out what they might read next. And if they had other ideas about what they wanted to read, he was in for that. He was down with it. He would read sometimes if they found something new, he would read it with them. That's the biggest thing I remember. Uh, the only thing I could think of is he had this car. It's in the garage. It's a great old car. It's a, it's a Chevy Malibu from, gosh, I don't know, sometime in the 50s maybe. I'm not sure exactly. And he took good care of that car for as long as he could anyway. When he got older, he had trouble you know, doing some of the heavy maintenance. And also he didn't drive anymore when he got older. So I made something with the car. Well, I said, all right. Well, maybe I should spend a little bit of time checking out the property, seeing if there are any clues there. So I went over to the house, and he started looking around. It was a big house, not huge. It's like a four-bedroom house in a big basement. And the, um, at the main level, there was a living room and a library, a dining room, a kitchen, and then a little office and a pantry and a bathroom. And in the library, there were probably 400 books. And there were more books in the basement, books in the living room. And there were also books upstairs in the bedrooms. And most of the bedrooms they'd, he had kept you know, as bedrooms so his kids could visit and his grandkids and stuff. And he'd made kind of a bunk area in the basement for his grandkids. And I did see the car. And the car had been sitting for a couple of years, but it was still in good shape. Was, you could fix it back up. And then he saw on the kitchen counter letters, letters from the symphony, letters from the theaters, uh, condolence letters, some of them, and others just regular fundraising letters. And I thought back to the attorney had said that but the father had said, he said, when you learn to appreciate, when my children learn to appreciate my treasure, that's when they can have my money. And I thought, huh, what a strange thing. And he asked the attorney and also the oldest sibling, said, do you have, are there blueprints to the house? And I said, ah, uh, the son said, yeah, there should be. B, yeah, there should be, because he had it made up by an architect. It was all custom. Uh, there had been a house here, and he kept the shell, but the inside was totally torn up, so he got to totally redo the inside. And there was also an addition that he added out back. Uh, let's see here. Let's go down to his office. Yeah, okay, here in the file. Yeah, here we go, blueprints. I pulled out the blueprints, the plans for the house. I started looking them over. He looked it over and he saw something. He saw that there was a space that was unaccounted for. 
It's off the library, basically between the library and the office they were in now. There was, it looked like a little room. It's about five feet wide by 10 feet long. And I went around to the library. I looked around on that wall to look for a door. At first he didn't see one, but then he noticed something behind one of the books. So he slid the book out of the way, and there was a keyhole. And he noticed that where the keyhole was, there was a, a division between the bookshelf. He said, I think there's a key somewhere. And the sibling said, what, a key? What do you mean? Look, there's a keyhole back here. And I think, if you look at the way the bookshelves are constructed, this bookshelf, I think, would swing out. I think there's a secret room behind this bookshelf. And maybe there is whatever this treasury is talking about is. So one of the daughters said, Well, I mean, I don't want to sit around solving puzzles, but... I'm a contractor. We can get into this wall from the backside, just you know, with a hammer and a sawzall. And I said, I don't think that's in the spirit of what your father wanted. He said, Yeah, well, I mean, Dad had a lot of ideas, but you know, he's gone now, and it's time for us to figure out what to do with the estate. So she went into her truck, came back with some tools, and she went right to the wall of the office started cutting into the wall. And the other siblings were not sure about this idea and all. I didn't think it was a good idea at all, but she just went ahead and started it, so they didn't want to like wrestle her away from the wall or anything. She got through the plaster, and then there was a loud clang. She said, shoot. It's steel. It sounds thick. I'm not going to be able to get through this. Not with any normal tools. So I had to take down the whole wall and get in here with a torch to cut it. This isn't going to work after all. We've got to find that key. So I only thought, and he thought, and he thought. And thought about the grandkids, the kids. And he thought about the car. And he thought about the symphony and the theaters. But then he thought about the library. And he started looking around in the library. And it was a really good collection of books. I mean, like, all the classics were there. You know, both, both really, like, the true classics, the really old stuff, like Homer and Benjamin Franklin. But there's also a lot of really interesting other books in there. You know, histories of co countries all he had barely heard of. And lots of you know, how-to books, you know, how to grow fruit trees, how to bake bread, how to do all these things. And there's a bunch of books on science. There's a whole big section of poetry. And there's a bunch of fiction, really interesting stuff. Both stuff that everybody's read and stuff that all I'd never heard of before. He's looking around the library and said, this is a really good library. And the middle son said, oh yeah, yeah, my dad's taste in books was impeccable. 
it's kind of a shame none of us really got all that into it the way he did, but it'd be hard to get into it, into reading the way Dad did, but I think because of how into it he was, a lot of it, we all maybe were less into it than we should have been. And I thought about that. I said, well, that would make sense with the first part of the riddle. My kids learn to appreciate my greatest treasure, my treasure. And the older son said, wait a second, you mean, you think he means the library? You think he means when we learn to appreciate his library? That's the treasure he means. It's not the treasure inside that room. The treasure is the library, and there's just money in the room. I said, I think so. What else do you remember about your dad and his books? And the younger daughter piped up. And she said, I remember that he was very picky about how he treated the books. He didn't let us, I remember I got in trouble once for, I put, I put a pen inside of a book as a bookmark and then put it back on the shelf. And he got really mad because it had bent the, the uh, hardback cover. And, you know, I mean, it certainly happened that moment we would drop a book in the dirt or we would spill milk on it or something and he was, he got pretty mad. He tried to contain himself, but it really made him mad. And I said, huh. Well, that's interesting. It doesn't look like any of these books. Well, so I was thinking maybe the lucky key might be hidden in one of the books, but if you did that, that sounds very much like hiding, about putting the pen in. It sounds like he wouldn't want to do that. She said, oh yeah, no, I can't imagine him putting a big old key like that and just shoving it in a book and shoving it back in the case. I don't think he'd want to do that to any of his books. And I thought about that, and he started looking around, looking around some more. He said, guys, I think we need to find something that's out of place, a book that doesn't make sense for your dad. So they all started looking, and they all started looking. And then the middle daughter, the contractor, saw something. She said, hold on a second. She reached up and pointed. I said, look at that. He's got a comfy copy of he's got a copy of Donald Trump's book. I said, what? No. He wouldn't. No, that doesn't make any sense. The book isn't very good. I've read it. It's not very good. And Dad really didn't like Donald Trump. And the whole book is false. I said, I think maybe that's the one. That's the one that doesn't fit. He reached up. Oh, climbed up. It was up pretty, pretty high. And I pulled down the book. And as soon as he pulled it down, he felt something rattling around. Not thudding around, really. He said, ah, I think we've got a winner. And he passed it down to the oldest son. The oldest son put it down on one of the tables and opened it up. And there, inside the inside cover, now the first two pages, the first 10 pages, the first 20 pages even were totally normal. But then when he got to the 20th page, there was a big hole in the middle of the book where the middle of the pages had been cut out with a razor to make a secret hiding spot inside this book. Inside the hiding spot was a big honking key. And the middle son said, this makes sense. 
he wanted to hide the key in a book. He never would be willing to cut up one of his real books in there. So he got some book that he knew we'd eventually figured out didn't make any sense. A crap book. A book not worth reading. And that he was willing to mutilate to make his book safe. I said, well, all I said, I think you ought to try the key and see what it does. So the oldest son took the key. When he went over to that keyhole that Ollie had found, his key fit in perfectly. He turned it with a and there was a ka-chunk. And he started pulling on the key. It was a big enough key that he could use it as a handle. And the wall started to come, the bookshelf, I mean. And it slid, it was heavy. It didn't come easy, but it came smoothly. And it opened up and the whole bookshelf turned like a giant door. And inside, inside the bookshelf, behind the bookshelf, inside the wall. They all gasped when they saw it. It was gold, jewels, and cash, and all kinds of things. Just a massive hoard of wealth in a very hoardable format. It wasn't like there was money in a bank account. There was gold and coins and jewelry and money and things and watches and all kinds of fancy things hidden behind the bookshelf. And the middle son said, whoa, we're going to need to call Alan. Alan's my dad's lawyer. We're going to need some help figuring this out. This is a lot. And we need somebody we can trust to help evaluate and divvy it up. And all the siblings agreed that that made sense. So they closed the bookshelf back up, took out the key. And they thought about it and they said, man, this is a lot of money and we don't want to be turned into a family that fights over dad's money. Sister said, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dad's right that this library is a big treasure, but, you know, I think we have a really good friendship, us siblings, and I really like that we all still live in the city and our grandkids play. I really don't want this money to mess up our family. And the youngest son said, or the youngest daughter, rather, said, Ollie, will you hang on to the key for us until we have a plan? I said, sure, I'd be happy to. And so they handed Ollie the key, and Ollie went on his way. And that was Ollie in the case of the missing treasure. <laughs>